0: everybody. A new series, but I can't start preaching yet. So I I, uh, I got some people with me. So they're like, okay, what are we doing? I need to say hello to people that you, well may have never been a part of our church. This is the week that, well, let me just say hello to those of you in Minnesota, uh, those of you in Wyoming, and those of you in South Dakota, and those of you watching on TV. For the first time, you might have been turning the channel and was like, what's this? And now I'm talking to you, and you're wondering, what am I going to say to you? And I'm not quite sure yet. Actually, I do know what I'm to say, but, but, but I want to say welcome. Uh, all the Fountain Springers, that's what we call ourselves, Fountain Springs Church. And if you, if you go to our church, we call you Fountain Springer. For those of you who, who made it possible by, by financially sacrificing so that we could make sure that, that the messages go as far out as possible, uh, thank you. This is the week that well over a million people have the possibility of turning into tuning into TV and watching. So so thank you. Uh welcome if it's your first time. Don't turn, there won't be commercials. So that's good. Uh, so here I'm gonna open up a brand new series, and, and I wanna do so by telling you a, a story. Uh there, there's a phrase, and here's a here's the question. Uh or a statement, write your biggest regret in life. No, I'm not asking you to do this, but, I mean, you can if you want, but write your biggest regret in life. This was a statement that some university students put on a, a big board, and they set it out on a street corner in New York City, and, and they just set it out there and, and observed. This is like one of those people tests, right? Write your biggest regret in life. Can you imagine the, wondering if anyone's even going to do that? So they sat and waited. And actually, people began to walk up, and and like in, in public, in front of others, and write some of their biggest regrets in life. That's heavy stuff. In fact, I wanted to show you just some of them. This is what some of them wrote. Not all of them, but someone biggest regret: burning bridges, uh, never speaking up, not being a good husband. I mean, you can read this. Should, should have spent more time with family. Not saying I love you. Not being a better friend staying in my comfort zone, not making the most of every day. I read several of these, and, uh, and many of them were, were heartbreaking because you're thinking, I mean, I don't want to have to write that. I mean, I don't want to be a person that says, uh, I regret this, and I'm just going to live with this. But, but here's what I know enough about people that many of us right now, if I were to ask you to write your biggest regret, or some of them, some of us would have no problem whatsoever going, Is this the rest of the time together? Because that's what i I mean. this is, I'm going to write a bunch. Now, some of you, though, are, I've never had any regret ever in my life ever. And I don't, follow me, because I think you and I have got to figure out what we do with the moments that we're not proud of. What do you and I do with the moments that are, maybe they're just internal for you, but you regret them, and you wish you could have done them differently, and it feels like maybe it's even between you and God and not good. Uh, so this series, we're going to walk through this, and, and I want to give you a, a picture, and I think the picture will help. These are symbols that, just to give you an idea of where we're going to go with this, uh, I'm going to talk to you about what many have called uh, Jesus's last days, or Passion Week, or, or Holy Week, or there's a lot of different terms, but there's, there's the ones we're going to hone in on our Monday, Thursday, uh, Good Friday, and for some of us, we're like I got to figure out why that's called Good because you know some of the details and uh, Black Saturday and Resurrection Sunday, or some most of us know it as, as Easter. Uh, we're going to talk about these days and and these days. These days are so significant and they're and they're so related to how you live your life. If you grew up religious. I hope we're gonna be able to fix some things. I hope that we're gonna be able to go after something that might say, you know what, I grew up a religious, I know what that's about, I observe this, I do this, I go through this routine. It, it means more than that. And so we're gonna hone in on Jesus's life and look at that. And, I, and so, of course, we're gonna pick the one with the, well, the weirdest name, uh, Maundy Thursday. Uh, some of us are like, Monday, Thursday? No, not Monday, Thursday. Monday Thursday, and I'll explain this as we go through, but there's some events that occurred on this Thursday, this final week of the life of Jesus that we talk about, and, and th- there was Jesus gathering his disciples for what we call Passover meal, gathering them up in in, in this room and having some major moments with them. Uh, there's also some other events that occurred. There, there's a guy named Judas. Um, most of us probably don't know anybody named Judas. And I will explain why. And it's fascinating when you think about it that we just don't know a lot of people. Like, yeah, wait a minute. I don't. Uh, we're, it's, it's the moment that Judas is, is, in essence, outed as a betrayer. Peter, he's, he's outed as one day he's going to, soon actually, he's going to uh, deny that he even knows Jesus. And then eventually Jesus is going to get arrested. So for, for years now, the church, Christians, uh, followers of Jesus Christ have celebrated these days like, Maundy Thursday, yeah, it's here. Good Friday, yeah, it's here. Let's go after what this means. And so I want to walk you right in what scripture begins to open up about why Maundy Thursday actually matters to you. I promise you, by the time we get done, you're going to be like, I, my Maundy Thursday is a big deal. So let's, let's do this and we walk in. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end, cue on, on end. Uh, it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, I've already brought him up, I'll go more later, uh, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. This is all happening in that moment. Now the kicker. So he got up from the table. This is Jesus. Got up from the table, took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. I don't know if you ever washed anyone's feet. I personally find it, (laughs) Utterly disgusting. Um, Just because I would rather change uh, my son Bo's diaper than frankly wash your stank feet, okay? I mean, can we... I mean, there's something about about helping someone that you love and maybe you're related to and it's a baby, but another human being, most of us, don't find that as something that we want to do all day long. Uh, But what you just heard, what I read to you, is far more than that. Jesus just disrupts all of tradition. Jesus just takes on a role that he was not supposed to culturally take on. He's a rabbi. He is, well, he's the Messiah, the son of God. And all of a sudden, they think they're doing routine. All of a sudden, he's going around washing their feet. And we know that they likely had some sort of sandals on and their feet were not pristine. They didn't have uh, $25 socks on and awesome boots that had protected them. They hadn't probably bathed the morning of or or day before. There there was a lot of things, and they were very dirty. And and Jesus, Jesus of all people, starts washing their feet. That was the job of a servant, not a rabbi. He was doing it on purpose. He's taking on this role of in essence, shame. Now, what I want to highlight for you is actually not the fact that Jesus is just washing feet. You need to remember and know exactly whose feet he was washing. So now I want to talk to you about Judas. Most of us, like I've said, uh, don't know a lot of uh, about Judas other than we're pretty sure we're supposed to hate him. We're, We're pretty sure that we're not supposed to mimic him or, or talk actually positively about Judas. That's what most of us know. But maybe you don't know full detail, so let me just take you into Scripture. Uh, and, he, and he went, this is about Judas, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted, of course they were. And they promised to give him money, so he so agreed for money, <laughs> So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. If you, do, if you read this sometime, you'll learn that in the midst of this, uh, Jesus addresses Judas and says, you know, go do what you are planning on doing. But I, I want you to get the order of events is important. Do not forget that Jesus chose to delay outing Judas. And he made sure that he washed Judas's feet first. Um, if you ever want the Bible to be very human to you, what order would you have done? I probably would have not let Judas in the room in the first place. Especially if that was going to be the night that I say, hey man, go do what you're going to do. Jerk. You should find it profound that Jesus washed first and then later said, all right, go. Judas is known as a a major failure. Uh, He's known uh, in all the negative uh, contexts. He's known as someone that we don't like, we don't treat well. Um, If you don't know the story of Judas, uh, he eventually is overcome with guilt. Uh, guilt just saturates him, and, and he actually throws the money back and, and eventually uh, ends his own life. He's, he's, that guilt just ruined him. Remember I told you that uh, it's important that in, in the whole conversation about Maundy Thursday that you know who is in this room. I, I've now told you about Jesus. We've talked about him and Judas. Are we aware that there is another guy there? I brought him up a little bit already, but he screwed up too. Peter. In this same context, in the same, like, hey, we're having a meal, we're doing some tradition, and and Jesus brings up, you know, some stuff like, Hey, you know, one of you, you're not gonna do some good things, and they start rambling and talking and blah, 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 blah. And 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 Peter of all people speaks up and is like, Man, ride or die, man, I'm with you forever. Like, we, you go to prison, I'm going with you. Yep, you die, I'm dying with you. He's saying this like in this time to Jesus. Don't lie to Jesus. So let me just show you. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will deny three times that you know me. How would you like someone to tell you that recent kind of, hey, before you wake up tomorrow, I'm going to tell you something you're going to do that you will be so overcome with guilt by? If you don't know the story, he does exactly that. Uh, Three different instances uh, before the sun comes up. Peter's like approached by people. Hey, aren't you Aren't you like one of Jesus's followers? <laughs> He's like, don't even know the man. Don't even, no, He's probably over there. I don't know. Gets asked again. Yep, don't even know him. I've been to this area. We, can, we know where this happened, where this played out because it wasn't a big area. And I can tell you, and most, most scholars would tell you that the denials that Peter were, was, what, was uttering, Jesus likely overheard very possible. Can you imagine having a friend do that where you can actually hear? It would, it would do stuff to me. It's fascinating to me that um, you and I face these choices. You've got Judas now and you've got Peter who have made, can we just talk, like, like dumb choices. They've made choices that you're like, well, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't deny knowing Jesus. You definitely shouldn't betray him. Um, I've got my own story of making choices that I regret uh, if you don't know this, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Now that's good, okay? I, I, my kids are having the time of their life. I tell them they are. Uh, uh, but see, I, see, I grew up, I grew up in, in, in a different tradition than, than our church kind of is, and my parents didn't do this, but, but I was often told that I needed to behave a certain way because I was a pastor's kid. And so uh, I was like, well, let me show you what a pastor's kid does. And many times I would find myself, you know, just waiting outside the principal's office because I really liked him. But I, I, I can remember right now, I can, I can visualize this, I, I really can, of sitting at the principal's office, like outside the door, you know, where there's the chairs of shame and, and, sitting, and sitting there and people would come up, David, what are you doing here? You're, your dad's a, a pastor. That was routine in my life. I was taught that I can't make bad choices because of well, who, who my dad, who my dad was, and I began to deal with uh, shame and guilt in, in a way that was not healthy. I began to make poor choices. Everyone makes poor choices, but I began to do things with them, and it would well up and do things to me that 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 wasn't good. And I, fast forward to to my twenties, and I'm still wrestling with how to how to deal with when I screw up kind of stuff. And I had an instant in my life where I really screwed up and and really got myself into some trouble and. Uh, really felt like, okay, I remember how I dealt with this. Everyone's going to know my dad was a pastor, which no one would have known my dad was a pastor. Everyone's going to know that I, at the time, was a pastor. And what do I do with this guilt and this shame? What what do I do with this stuff? And regrets begin to stack up for me, unresolved regrets, stacking up one after another after another. And I didn't know what to do. It was changing me began adopting some bad habits and bad ways of thinking, and I reached out to a pastor that I didn't even know because I thought he would be safe. Didn't expect him to write me back because I didn't know him, and he did. Told him my story. I looked up his response, and you need to know this was a long time ago. And he gave me wisdom that that changed things for me. And in his email, I just reread this, Don't let this tragic episode define you, David. And I was subconsciously allowing it to do exactly that. My behaviors were defining me. My choices were defining me. My good ones, bad ones, if it was good, then I was great. If they were bad, I was the worst. And I had believed the myth that I think many of us have believed that I think this Holy week, last days deals with this myth. We are defined by our choices. Just so you know, we had to include myths so that everyone would know. That's not, no, you don't, don't believe this. But many of us, we are defined by our choices. Many of us are like, yep, you're right. But do you live that out? Do you, do you let that get into the moments that you had a good day or a bad day and realize you are not defined by your choices? So let's really deal with uh, what happens, what I think, personally, is one of the most important parts of Maundy Thursday. I'm going to take, oh, it's so good. Let me show it. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. You've probably have heard this before. You're like, ah, yeah, I know that one. And you see that first part? So now I'm giving you a new commandment. So let me explain Maundy Thursday in definition Kind of terms, Monday Thursday here. It's, it's uh, based out of a Latin word. This is a Latin word, so this abbreviated Latin word is Mondi, which means mandate or command. So hopefully, if you're like, I thought it was just go to church day and do the thing. No, it, it's it's command or mandate Thursday. The reason it's called that is because of what Jesus said. The problem is, many of us Christ followers are like, oh yeah, give me a good command and I'll follow it. I'll be a good follower, right? So let's go back to the verse and here's what you really need to get. I highlighted it. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. What you need to see is all of this is hinged by that. If you want to learn how to study the Bible and learn the heart of Jesus, you got to look at his words, not for how you read them, but for how he said them, what he meant. And he said that. All of this, love each other, how you love each other, is based on how he loves you. One of the most crucial things for in a human being to ever navigate and look at is what do you do with the love of Jesus Christ for you? You can, you can deny a bunch of stuff, but he declared it, he showed it, and in fact, he says that his love for you and I is the most important thing to get. In fact, if you look at this verse, you can extract uh, a couple questions, uh, very simple ones, but what did Jesus say about you? What did De- Jesus say to do? Uh, the reason I, I did this you'll notice one is two and one is one, right? Hopefully you got, yeah. Uh, The reason is there is an order. I'm not suggesting in any way whatsoever that what Jesus says to do is unimportant. What I'm suggesting is that if you attempt to do what he said to do without getting the fact of what he said about you, that he loves you, you'll begin to get into a world of doing things based out of the wrong reasons. And I love what Jesus said in a room with his disciples in the the presence of some screwed up people in the midst of some guy leaving and washing feet. He's like, he's letting them understand something that you won't get this unless you understand how much I love you. Your your choices in life, your regrets in life, your guilt in life, your successes, all of that is gonna get all jacked up if you don't understand what Jesus has said about you. I love that he says here, just as I have done for you, just as I have loved you. In other words, I have modeled for you. I have loved you. I care about you. You are amazing. Get that, then go do. And what you can find that's fascinating, at least I find it fascinating, is, is you've got a guy named Judas and a guy named Peter who royally screw up at the same meal. And yet there are churches named after Peter. Why? I'll show you. Because there's a lesson for you and I. Judas encountered guilt, but he let shame take over. What we know about Judas is that he actually felt bad. You ever, ever been there? I mean, I've been there where I was forced to apologize. Anyone have siblings? Come on. Most of us have been there. When you screw up, you feel bad. You, know, you feel bad for a lot of different reasons. Judas's response was, though, I feel bad. That's it. He didn't deal with it. He ran from it, and shame began to just creep over and get a grip on him. Meanwhile, Peter had guilt, had guilt too. He's, I mean, he denied. He, nodded, he, he said he wouldn't deny. He's like, I'm going to prison with you. I'm going to die. Oh, man. And you even told me I was going to do that. Yet, if you were to read your Bible, as you get to the end of the Gospels, into the book of Acts, you're going to learn that you're going to find Peter preaching, preaching. Preaching to people, repent from your sin. Repent. Monday, Thursday puts on your plate and mine how much God loves us. And I think that helps us deal with our problems that we're hiding and avoiding and bearing. Let me take you to more scripture, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. Whoa. For those of us who live in regret, from the word of God, we just got a solution for our problem. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, lacks repentance, Judas, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. I wonder if you have unresolved things in your life, specifically sin and regret. Brennan Manning, a very popular author, said, Jesus came not only for those who skip morning meditations. If that's new to you, you're like, morning? Was I supposed to be doing morning meditations? <laughs> Uh, he's talking about what you might hear morning devotions, morning time with God, listening to God, talking to God, uh, reading about God. He's talking about these just times with God. Jesus came not only for those who skipped that, but also for real sinners, thieves, adulterers, and terrorists. For those caught up in squalid choices, yeah. no, I had to look it up too. Uh those caught up in really immoral decisions, really, really, really bad decisions and failed dreams. Jesus loves you. Monday Thursday, Jesus loves you. So I want to tell you a story about the group of people who had put the sign up on the corner of the street in New York City. Well, uh, they didn't just finish with having people write their regrets. They, they put it back up. But they took that, that statement of write your biggest regret off, and, and, and here's what they put on top of it. They put clean slate, and they actually made sure the folks who had written up there stayed, because they were like, this is a part of our project, we're students. And, and they said, all right, now that everyone's written stuff, uh, if you'd like to, you can go erase the regret that you wrote up there. And, and I, I got to read this to you. Um, one woman went up, and, and as she was literally crying with an eraser, just an eraser, she just written a regret. As she's, she said, I feel hopeful. It means that there are possibilities. Please, please hear my words. No matter who you are or where you come from, whatever decisions you've ever made in your entire life, there is the possibility of forgiveness. There's the possibility of those regrets. of those, Some of you right now are arguing with me, but David, I I, I, did, I, get it, I get it. But Jesus said that he modeled how we are to treat others, and his model was, I love you and I forgive you. Uh, scripture teaches us exactly how to apply this sermon, but if we confess our sins to God, you don't need to confess them to me, okay? I'm, just, I'm showing you what Scripture says. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted. Trusted. He can be trusted. If you're like, did he? Did it work? He can be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And his message isn't in our hearts. I made sure to include that verse that most of us don't include because it's like, whoa. Because I want you to understand, you're not being a good person by... Keeping God from forgiving you, you're not making a a, a, a noble, uh, good decision by saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to talk to God about that because what I've done is so bad and I, I can't approach Him that way." No, to actually go to Him and say, "Forgive me," is a sign that says, "God, I believe you. What you say is true." So let's do this. Would you Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Even if you're watching on TV and online, wherever you're watching. Uh, I want to give you a moment that maybe you've never asked God to forgive your sins. You've never literally said, God, I have sinned. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I do feel the regret and the shame. and, And God, I want you to take it out of me. There are no magic words, but let me just help you. You can quietly speak this to God. God, I am sorry for any wrongdoing that I have ever done, any sin, any public one, private one, accidental one, on purpose one. God, I am sorry for all of my sins. And God, I repent to you. I tell you that I am sorry and I want to live differently. I surrender my life to you and ask for your help. Lead me, God. Guide me. God, thank you for forgiving me. Help me fight my regret and shame. Take it from me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope that explains Maundy Thursday a little bit more than just a religious holiday.